You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers go on the road and defeat the Rutgers Scarlet Knights in Piscataway 65-43 to in a game where the Hoosiers came out ready to play early, jumped out to a, a big lead, took control of the game, and never relinquished it. And even though there were a couple of times where Rutgers made a little bit of a run that made you think, "Uh uh-oh, maybe this will be kind of like the Illinois game all over again where Indiana starts out well, but they can't put a team away, Indiana always had the answer. And it's a win that was made especially uh, impressive given the short turnaround that Indiana had and having to go on the road and it being a long trip out there. Uh, And it was a big win. I know you you kind of look at games against Rutgers on the schedule and they kind of seem like givens, but let's remember Rutgers lost to Purdue by only two points just a couple of days ago. And with Indiana at five and seven, staring at five and eight, if they lost this game, now you're at six and seven. You, you're close to getting your head back at water level. And with two home games coming up, two winnable home games against teams that you can beat, Indiana puts themselves in a position to get back over 500. So a really, really Big win for Indiana and just really impressive how they played. And we're going to break it all down for you here on tonight's edition of the Assembly Call. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and our guest host tonight, the coach Brian Tonsoni here filling in for Ryan Phillips. And let's start tonight's show as we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And, you know, (laughs) there was a point in the game where Indiana was one for nine from the free throw line, literally one for nine from the free throw line. My wife turned to me and she said, wait, are you guys shooting better from three-point range than you are from the free throw line? I was like, yes. And her response is, that's interesting, which is one adjective for it, (laughs) in addition to frustrating and ridiculous and all the other things. So I tweeted out, all right, the next guy who makes two free throws in a row, you automatically get the banner moment. So Freddie McSwain, I am making good on that promise. Freddie, at the nine-minute mark in the second half, made two free throws in a row. This was after he got an offensive rebound. And what was nice about those two free throws is they came within a sequence that was really big for Indiana because Rutgers' last little gasp of hope in the second half is when they went on a 7-0 run and got it to 43-30. to And he kind of thought, all right, Indiana needs something here to just stop this momentum, make sure this isn't going to be a game late. Immediately, the Hoosiers went to Juwan Morgan, and like a man possessed, he took it down low, got fouled, made the free throw, a quick three-point play. Then you had Freddie McSwain's offensive rebounds in the free throw. Then Freddie goes down on the other end, gets a steal, and that effectively ended Rutgers' run uh, because right after that, Robert Johnson scored, and then on the next possession, Devontae Green had a beautiful or or, uh, basically passed up a bad three to get a a better look from two. It was a 9-0 run. All of a sudden, Indiana's up 52-30, to and that was the ball game. So kudos to Freddie McSwain for making two free throws when no one else could do it. And if we ever get a technical free throw, I think Freddie McSwain is the guy that I want there, even though he airballed one in the last game. But more important than that, this was an opportunity for Indiana to put a team away on the road, put some distance between themselves in a game they should do that, and they did it. And that's not something Indiana has always been able to do. But I think tonight... It was a really good sign, even though Rutgers is atrocious, that Indiana was able to do that in a road game and get this win going away. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers and for Hoosiers. Why should you check out their website? Website, HoosierProud.com. Well, a few reasons for you. Number one, obviously, they have great designs, and that's the most important element of any apparel company. So you can go there and get their officially licensed IU gear. You can get the official assembly call and inside the hall t-shirts that they have there. And then they have some really just fun, interesting designs inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier State. You can see all of those at HoosierProud.com. Hoosier Proud also is committed to supporting Indiana-based charities. And on their website, you can go find all of the Indiana-based charities that your t-shirt sales will go toward helping. 
And finally, the third reason, you get 15% off. Hoosier Proud has always been very generous with our audience. So because you're an Assembly Call listener, use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and you will get 15% off of your entire order. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we start with Andy Bottoms, who in the last 24 hours has watched his beloved Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl and now has watched his Indiana Hoosiers get a 22-point road win. Andy, I don't know what you've been doing, but keep doing it because something's going right for you right now. Well, in between both those things, I was the dentist and found out I have to have a root canal. So you win some, you lose some, I guess. Um, what, what better timing to get that news, though? Really? I mean, well, really? I, yeah, certainly. <laughs> I mean, watching parts of this game felt a little bit like a root canal. So it was kind of kind of similar. Uh, this this game definitely uh, definitely uh, tested the theory of whether all wins are, are pretty in some regard. But uh, I think for IU to be able to come back after, you know, not only just the uh, you know, these last these last three games against the, the best teams in the Big Ten, but also just to, you know, deal with another one of these quick turnarounds. And um, I, I think you probably saw a little bit tonight of what from Rutgers of what we've seen from IU coming off of some of these where you got an emotional game where you play well and come up short. Uh, and then they really, you know, came out and played poorly. I think uh, IU's defense early on deserves a decent amount of the credit for that. And then I think things just kind of devolved from there for, for Rutgers on the offensive end. And you know, it was another one of those games where not a whole lot of guys could get anything going offensively, but Robert and Juwan uh, and, and Devontae really did most of the heavy lifting. I think between the three of them, they had 52 of the 65 points, and um, I think at halftime were the only three that had scored. So, um, you know, good for those guys to, to come out and play well again. I thought Robert, you know, was really aggressive looking for his shot early in the game again and uh, had better results than he did against Michigan State in that game. Uh, and, and, you know, those guys didn't shoot a combined three of 12 uh, from the free throw line. If perhaps they'd have had even more, but uh, I don't know, just a good performance. I think kind of a, a much needed win for these guys, get a little confidence and a few days off where they come back to, as you said, a couple winnable games. And this is you know kind of where we talked about looking at the, the rest of the season in three game chunks. This was kind of, you know, game one of a, a, of one of those, you know, three game sets where you might be able to go three and oh, so uh, handle the first part of that and see what happens on Friday. And now it is Tonsoni time with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, brought to us by Sports Talk by Tonsoni. Your opening thoughts, coach. Well, it's always nice to get a win, ugly, pretty, whatever. Uh, It's good to get a win, and especially after a long stretch of losses and some tough games, some close games in that that stretch. And I thought uh, we had really good energy early. And I know that was a key mentioned on uh, the pregame show and, and the announcers were talking about that. But you could see the attention to detail on the defensive end right from the start. Uh, the team was locked in. They were moving together. They were shutting down gaps. They were contesting shots. And, and I think it really shows. I think Robert Johnson is a leader. And I thought he looked aggressive early. And I think he had our first eight points or eight out of our first ten and um, really did a nice job taking a, a turnover to the rim and, and hitting a three to get it started was was really good. And the other thing is guard play. Uh, we, we've struggled uh, at the guard position with inconsistency. And tonight I thought Devontae Green was fabulous. And I thought Robert was uh, aggressive. They scored, uh, I think it was 25 points. Uh, oh, 28 points combined. Uh, and I just thought uh, that's... That's the Archie offense when when the guards play really well. Devontae was composed. He was looking to make plays. He was balanced. And and Robert was aggressive. And it really opens up things uh, for other players. So I think there's some things that we wanted to see and needed to see in order to get victories. And and even though it was ugly uh, at times, uh, overall good performance. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni breaking down Indiana's 22-point road win over Rutgers. So, guys, let's talk a little bit more about Devontae Green. Obviously, the big story right before the game was that Archie Miller inserted Devontae into the starting lineup over Josh Newkirk. This comes on the heels of two really solid performances uh, by Devontae, where he had played 61 minutes without turning the ball over. Uh, He had really been doing a nice job of creating, giving this Indiana offense an element that it just doesn't have when he's not out there playing well. You know, and I know I had someone on Twitter who said, okay, why hasn't Devontae been starting all along? And my answer to that is, you know, he hadn't earned it until now. And, you know, we know how inconsistent that he has been both on offense and defense. And I imagine that what we have seen 
in games is probably similar to what Coach Miller had been seeing in practices. But now over these last couple of games, you're starting to see Devontae minimize the mistakes while continuing to make plays, make the simple play more often than he's trying to make the home run play. And that's really allowing his positive qualities to shine through. And Archie even mentioned, you know, that Devontae really had a good approach about him for that Ohio State game, continued that in for the Michigan State game, and obviously had it again tonight. So I think the answer to that question is he hadn't earned it until now. He did earn it now. I, you know, I, frankly, I thought it was a smart move. Uh, and Devontae, you know, made his coach look smart by continuing to play really well, Andy. Uh, and so I think as we look for, you know, reasons why now with the schedule opening up a little bit and, you know, no more of these quick turnarounds and obviously no more games against Purdue and Michigan State, if you look for some reasons for optimism for why Indiana can finish strong here, if what Devontae has done over the last three games is something that he can continue doing, he adds that extra element that's been missing to the offense that when combined with Indiana's defense makes this Hoosiers team more competitive and more able to get better shots. And I think it's just been really encouraging seeing a guy who has struggled like Devontae. Maybe the light switch is going on a little bit. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. I mean, I, one of the things that uh, we'll talk about his offense in a minute. I thought he did a really good job on on Corey Sanders and, and, a, and a much better job defensively. I think that was another area where uh, everybody looked at him coming into the season, felt like he could be a guy that would be able to put the kind of ball pressure on that Archie wanted. And I think that had kind of you know come and gone at times during the season. But I think that's another area that he's really seemed a little more dialed in uh, of late. But yeah, just some of the ball movement, the passes and things like that. I mean, even just pass fakes. I mean, he had the one uh, toward the second half where they kicked it back out. He made a really you know, hard pass fake to the left, shift to the defense, and then, you know, thread of the needle to Juwan for a uh, for a layup. And so I think he's um, getting into a good rhythm, and I think he's a guy who certainly didn't lack for confidence early on. But, um, you know, I think, I think a little bit more of his confidence now is based on, you know, his play and, and maybe not his just general mindset going in. And I think he's also a guy who the more he's been able to play, the better feel he's been able to get for uh, for guys and the more in sync that it, it seems like he is with the, the rest of the team. So as he's, you know, really earned these these minutes, as you said, I think uh, things have uh, things have looked really good and, and a lot smoother. And I think there were times when the ball movement was a lot better uh, tonight. Uh, I think the assist numbers would probably show that, you know, 14 assists. Uh, I actually would have guessed it would have been a little bit more. But, um, you know, he led the way again in that category and and, and continue to play well. So um, no reason to think that at this point anything different is going to happen when uh, they come out on Friday. You know, Archie said if he continues to play well and earn the minutes, he's going to get them. And uh, I think that led to him being in the starting lineup and uh, seemingly should lead to the same thing on Friday. Well, and the other part of that equation is there's really no other guard that is stepping up to compete for those minutes. I mean, Al Durham, you know, made a three-pointer tonight. That was nice. Uh, you know, Josh Newkirk continues to look lost in a way that's almost painful to watch. I mean, Josh is really out there playing hard and trying. And at this point, it almost seems like he's trying too hard. He was kind of forcing some shots late. He just looks like a guy whose confidence is shot. And as you mentioned, Andy, you know, Devontae is not a guy who lacks for confidence. And that's what Indiana needs is a guy who's confident with the ball in his hands because we have so many guys on offense who aren't. Coach, you know, you've been critical at times of Devontae, like we all have when he's made mistakes and have been frustrated by him. But what have you seen these last three games that has, you know, kind of really allowed him to turn things around? Well, Devontae's always had had the skill level, uh, the game, the shake and bake, the the attitude to play this game at a high level. It's just his composure and his understanding of when to make this play or that play and not, you know, go for singles and doubles and not home runs. I thought his composure tonight was some of the best I've seen on on offense. I thought he 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 surmised the court and then he would attack and then he would find the open man, whether it was a kick out for three hard on pace fastballs not soft passes uh his post feeding's always been good it was sharp tonight uh andy mentioned that one play i had it written down it was just an amazing uh feed inside and i thought his shot looked like it had a little better rotation on it because i thought his shoulders were square and even his little up and under where it looks like it might be forced or off balance i think he had a plan of attack instead of just winging it sometimes or shooting because he neat feels he needs to take a shot i thought his step in threes were fantastic but i gotta agree with andy i was impressed with his defense uh he has been unable to guard the bounce and tonight uh not everyone can guard the bounce all night long, but when he got beat, we, we call it a crossover run. Instead of sliding with your guy, you turn and you, you run and you cross your feet and your hands are high. 
And what that does is it forces the, the dribbler to maybe angle out a little bit and not get a comfortable look at the rim. And then Devontae was there to contest the shot. And, I, and Sanders was frustrated all night. And the other thing defensively to, to agree with Andy was his pick and roll defense. He was beating Sanders to the screen instead of getting caught in the screen, hitting his shoulder to the screen and letting the guy turn the corner or run into the hedge. He was actually forcing Sanders on a different route off the ball screen, which allowed our hedge guy to get out and really bottle him up on the pick and roll defense. And sometimes you always think it's the hedge guy who's doing the job, but you've got to alter the route. Uh, and, and he looked like he wanted to stop the ball tonight. And he took that assignment of Sanders who went off against Purdue. He took it seriously and a serious Devonte green could uh, maximize his skills. And so he's got to do it over and over again. One night, two nights, three nights, it, it, it's trending in the right direction. Yeah, it's like you said, the skill's always been there. The attention to detail, the focus, the consistency hasn't always been there, <clears throat> been there possession to possession. And these last few games, it really seemed like it has. And, you know, I mean, he he's kind of seems like a guy who didn't play a ton of minutes as a freshman. His minutes have been kind of up and down here in a sophomore year. But now that he's kind of getting more minutes, maybe kind of figuring out that, you know, the way that you have to play in college is different from the way that you have to play when you're in high school. He's starting to kind of find that out, and he's got the opportunity because, again, like I said, there's really no one else stepping up to take that. So it's really, you know, it's encouraging. The, the I love these are. This is one of the reasons why I love being a college basketball fan is when you see guys like this where they've struggled, they've struggled, they've struggled, they've been inconsistent, and you start to see the light come on a little bit. And again, now he's got to continue doing it, but it's been really rewarding to watch over these last three games. And hopefully it's something that he can obviously continue doing. All righty, coming up on the assembly call, uh, we are going to do what we usually do here in our next segment. I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. We will go inside the numbers and more. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down Indiana's 65-43 to victory over Rutgers, and it is time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And guys, I, I want to take you all the way back to the 17-minute mark in the first half. And coach, you mentioned how Indiana really got off to a good start. And it was similar to the good start they got off to against Illinois, and obviously the complete opposite of the start they got off to uh, in the Ohio State game. Uh, but, but, you know, it was really encouraging to see Robert Johnson step up and, and make those shots and see Indiana's defensive intensity be really high. But there was one play in particular that impressed me and is something that is so different about this year's team as opposed to recent IU teams that we have watched. Indiana was up eight to two and Rutgers, a really good defensive team. They entered the game actually top 20 in Ken Palm and adjusted defensive efficiency. You know, nothing's really working for them. They switched to a zone. And it was really nice to see Indiana recognize the zone, be really calm, really patient, and just attack it smartly. And, you know, Freddie McSwain was in there. He made a nice pass to get it out on the wing. Indiana passed it around to get it to Robert Johnson in the corner. He was open. He drained the three. And that was his second three-pointer. It put Indiana up 11-2. to two. And, you know, I love that play for a number of reasons. You know, number one, just the intelligence and the recognition to attack the zone where, you know, we know – the kind of struggles Indiana's had against zones in recent years. Uh, Robert Johnson, you know, stepping up and making shots early, you know, shaking off the, the, his past two bad performances and being able to lead his team on the road to a good start on the quick turnaround. Uh, and then again, just Indiana getting off to a good start. I think that was so important to just immediately build our confidence and put some doubt in Rutgers' mind 
at the beginning of the game. Um, but coach, you know, and again, you know, it's not like Rutgers played a ton of zone, but I just really liked seeing that recognition and seeing Indiana get a really good shot. And unlike so often this year, make the really good shot. <laughs> and, and that that's Archie getting his guys to understand what, what needs to happen. And, and we still have issues. You know, we went seven, eight, nine minutes only scoring two or three points in a, in the, uh, end of the first half, and and that's a skill issue. But I will I will address that shot was good, and then there were times when we had a lull, and all of a sudden we go right into the post, and and it really doesn't take a genius. Morgan is our stud, but again, I felt at times in previous did we go to the hot hand, and and there was at the two forty nine mark we had struggled and hadn't scored, and we and you saw the play the back diagonal where the guard cuts through and sets a diagonal screen from Oregon to the block. And, and we got a basket is one of our uh, two of our four points. And then again, uh, you mentioned this in your opening when it got down to 13 and, and the game could have gone competitive. We went right back to Morgan again. And those are things that sometimes you see in a game and it says, Oh yeah, why not go to Morgan? But when it's time to get a good shot, this team tonight went to their bread and butter, and that has to come from the coaching staff. And, and I think there were, you know, the start of the second half, we go to Morgan. And I think those are things that I like to see from a coaching staff is get your guys uh, to, to focus in and, and go to the guy, uh, especially when you have a bad run. And I thought those those are three play calls and the preparation on your zone play show a, um, a really good mind, I think, offensively. and and. It's just uh, good to see. Yep. You know, Andy, the other stretch, and this was not a good stretch for Indiana, but it came between the under eight and under four minute timeouts in the first half is when Rutgers went on that 8-0 run and it had been 24-8 Indiana. The Hoosiers just absolutely cruising and Rutgers gets it to 24-16. And that was probably the stretch that was most reminiscent of the Illinois game where Indiana's got a team on the ropes, is clearly playing better. You know, all you've got to do is deliver the knockout punch and you're going to win the thing going away and give them no hope basically for the second half. And Indiana wasn't able to do it. And, you know, coach, to the point that you made, it's because Indiana got away from some of the bread and butter. It was almost like, all the three pointers that we made early kind of lulled us into this false sense of security from behind the line. And we thought things were going to be like they were last year. And, you know, Colin Hartman in particular, he settled for a couple of threes. A couple of other guys did too. Plus we stopped boxing out and Rutgers got four or five offensive rebounds in that stretch. So that was probably to me, Andy, the most disappointing stretch. And if Indiana had been playing a, a better opponent, you know, they may have been able to take advantage of that even more than Rutgers was able to. Fortunately, Indiana, you know, rebounded, you know, got the lead back and, and pushed it back out. But that was probably the most concerning stretch of the game for an IU fan. Yeah, it definitely was. And, you know, Morgan was out for a decent chunk of that. I mean, he was uh, right No, Actually, that's, that's not true. Trying to look back through lineups, although the stat feed was uh, was pretty poor tonight in terms of that. But, you know, he was out there for a little while. But, yeah, they just kind of. I think you're right. They got lulled into that, you know, false sense of security with taking threes, which, you know, seems inexplicable in some ways, given how poorly IU shot the ball over the course of the season, that at what point would you really get that comfortable doing that? But, um, you know, it can be kind of fool's gold to a certain extent. But I think to, you know, to end that stretch, I think these are the um, the plays that Brian was talking about. You know, they, they're, you know, it's an eight point game. Robert Johnson gets a basket toward the end of the half. Uh, and then, you know, they hold they hold Rutgers at the end of the half and then go right to Juwan Borden coming out of the locker room to, uh, you know, to to push the lead back up to 12. So, you know, that was a, it was a good response to that. I think it was one of those where, you know, the game kind of just bogs everybody bogged everybody down the way that, that it was being played and um, things got pretty stagnant. But it did feel a lot like that Illinois game where it's like, you know, you make some free throws, you you make some layups, you, you're up, you know, 16 instead of, you know, instead of 10 and um but I thought they responded well to that to little sequence. And it's, you know, probably a case where, yeah, you know, this game ended up being kind of a blowout. But I think the the opportunities for this team to really, you know, run away from anybody are going to be pretty few and far between. Yeah, I, I just want to add a little bit about shot selection over the course of the game. It seemed and, and it's just pure basketball when the ball uh, moves from side to side a couple of times, you generally get a good look. And the problem in the college game is you only have 30 seconds in the shot clock. So you don't have a lot of time to do that. But I think in that stretch, we settled for a lot of first side action, one pass drive into two guys and take a crazy shot. I think Smith had one in the first half and one in the second half or a pass to the wing first pass. And we shoot a three. And, and I think 
you have to take some of those shots at times because it's hard to get good shots in college basketball. But it, it's amazing to me how so many times that's when you have a bad stretch is when we're too hurried and we don't really uh, work the ball around. I thought that's some of our problems in the first half with our low efficiency numbers. Yep. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni breaking down Indiana's important victory over Rutgers tonight. Let's go inside the numbers, guys. And, you know, look, the, the, the numbers that stand out to me are you look at the offensive efficiency numbers. Rutgers finishes the game uh, scoring 0.698 points per possession. Um, that is a phenomenal number. I don't know if it's the highest Indi- or the best that Indiana's had all year, but it's got to be up there. And this is a team, look, Rutgers, that is not good offensively. They entered the game, I think, 262nd offensively. But they were still scoring, you know, about 0.98 points per possession. And so to be able to come in on someone's own home floor, you know, after what they did against Purdue, I thought that was really impressive from Indiana's perspective. And while Indiana didn't, you know, set the world on fire, the Hoosiers did score 1.01 points per possession against a team that's pretty good on defense. I mean, Rutgers, like I mentioned, really poor offensively, but from a defensive perspective, they're in the top 20 in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. And so for Indiana to come in uh, and do that on the road, and I thought, you know, having Devontae Green out there for more minutes, the recognition to get you on Morgan the ball in more key situations, better shot selection for most of the night uh, really helped with that. But uh, I mean, you know, sometimes those numbers don't tell uh, the whole story of a game, but I thought tonight... Uh, you know, they really do. And and both uh, in their own way, uh, impressive for Indiana this evening. Andy, what jumps out to you on the stat sheet? A uh, big difference in points off turnovers was one that I saw. IU actually turned the ball over one more time than Rutgers 13 uh, as opposed to 12. But IU got 17 points off the Rutgers turnovers and they got just two off the 13 IU turnovers. So um, some of that's, you know, good transition defense. But um, yeah, I mean, Rutgers was incredibly sloppy with the ball, but IU really, you know, Kind of did what what some other teams have done to IU this season. Really, you know, took advantage of the mistakes that uh, they did make and, and turned into live ball turnovers. So I thought that was, um, yeah, that's a that's a pretty huge discrepancy. Not a ton of other things, you know, really stand out. The other, I think, from a ball movement standpoint, um, you know, IU had 14 assists on 25 make or 24 makes. Uh, Rutgers only had five assists, which I guess when you you know sit back and watch the game, it was just a lot of dribbling, a lot of ball screens, um, and not a lot of made shots to to even get assists on, but. Um, I, I think IU deserves some credit for that because they did a much better job of uh, of pressuring the ball. So, I mean, when you really look at ball movement, some of those kinds of things that IU has struggled with and that we've talked about over the course of the season that, um, you know, when IU scoring well, they're moving the ball well. I think that's a, uh, a pretty good sign. On the negative side, I mean, the free throw shooting continues to be just a disaster. Um, although after that point, would you say it was one of nine when you um, – when you mentioned that, I think they were seven and nine then down the stretch. They finished eight of 18. But my hey, so goodness. Let me ask you guys something. I want to know if you saw the same thing that I did because Newkirk had a, uh, a one and one coming out of the under 12 minute timeout and he missed the front end of it. Or maybe, maybe it was two shots. I remember, but he missed one and they cut to Archie and it really looked like he turned to the bench and said, This is sad, man. <laughs> uh, now I'm not I'm I'm not the best lip reader, but I swear I thought that's what he said right after Newkirk missed the free throw because that I think that made us like you know four for twelve or four for thirteen or something awful like that. Uh, either way, his face showed his uh his discontent with the free throw shooting. At this point, he's got to be as perplexed as everybody because I know. Uh, you know, you see some of these responses and, you know, people think I think that Archie is actively coaching the players to miss free throws based on some of the responses that you get. Um, <laughs> but at this point, it just seems like it's one of those head case viruses that is just infecting an entire team. And like the, everybody has the yips and they're trying so hard to make them. So I I don't know. I didn't know if you guys noticed that. Um, I can't I can't confirm that he said that because I wasn't there. But reading his lips, that's what it looked like. He said lip readers. <laughs> I didn't notice. I was too busy screaming into a pillow, so I couldn't really. <laughs> Lip readers are dangerous to coaches, and, and and that's for those of us who don't even have cameras that can pick it up. So, um, you know, and everyone's around you, so you have to kind of mumble a little bit and mask your words, but um, that would be a polite way to say. Although in that case, he could have just made an echo sign that said, this is sad, man, and I don't think anybody would have had a problem with it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Coach, what other numbers stood out to you tonight? Well, I, I don't have a, a box score in front of me, but we blocked some shots tonight, and we were active with our hands. And, yeah, and the, the dreaded deflection talk could come back in, but 
deflections are good. Uh, just not maybe good to talk about every every game, uh, post game. But we were active with our hands. And so I'd like to see those those numbers. And we did shoot better from three than we did from the free throw line. I think it was 45% from three or 47% <laughs> from three and 44 point something from the free throw line. So you got to make shots. Shots cure a lot of ills. And, and it started off when we hit three out of four to get started. And it's a great start. When the ball goes in, everyone feels good, and, and you feel good going back on the defensive end. So shot making helps everybody, uh, the coach, the the players. But I, I thought our hands were very, very active, and, and even stat. There's probably not numbers. Here's here's a stat that's not a stat. How many times did we go up with both hands and not foul and really disturb the shooter? And, and again, force them to take bad shots, and good teams might score over you or pass it out, but. We did what we had to tonight to dominate without fouling, and and there's no way to know how many times we disrupted their offense by just good positioning and good technique. Here's a stat that's not a stat is my new favorite quote from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but to put some specifics with your observation, because you're absolutely right, Indiana had seven blocks. Juwan, Freddie, and Justin each had two. Clifton Moore had one. And I actually think tonight is a good night to talk about deflections because – you look at Zach McRoberts' line in the box score. He played 25 minutes. He picked up three fouls. The only other numbers that register is that he had an assist and a rebound. And I don't think this was one of Zach's better games by any means, but he had a lot of deflections out there. And that's kind of what you're talking about. And this is one of those games where Zach's contribution definitely didn't show up in the box score. You know, more and more with all the steals and the rebounds and even some of the points he's getting, you can kind of quantify his impact. Tonight, the box score doesn't do that. But if there was uh, a place in the box score for deflections, I feel like it would. Yeah, stat without a stat. That's I'm not wearing a hat tonight. It's my Dick Vitale look and my Dick Vitale language, right? So stat without a stat, baby. Zach McRoberts <laughs> filling it up on a nightly basis. Worth the price of your satellite television. <laughs> uh, Andy, anything else on the stat sheet? No, just, I mean, one other defensive thing. It, it you know, I think Baker, Sanders, and Freeman, by virtually any measure, are the, the three guys um, that are going to score most of Rutgers' points. They had 32 points, and but they needed 33 shots to get it. They were combined eight of 33 from the floor. So, again, just credit to, to the defense, you know, the guards. Uh, I thought Robert and uh, and Devontae that we talked about already did a really good job, kind of fighting through uh, all those all those ball screens and and uh, and inside they did a good job making things tough for Freeman. So just a a really good defensive performance, uh, you know, against uh, against a group of guys who had shot the ball really well against Purdue, who's another good defensive team over the weekend. So um, again, you can you know take whatever you you want out of that, but I thought it was a uh, to to come out with that kind of attention uh, and that kind of effort defensively after the kind of gauntlet they've been through, I thought was really impressive. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Rutgers. We've got to talk about Juwan Morgan, got to talk a little bit about Freddie McSwain, and let's also talk about the tough night for Justin Smith because uh, he, he really had some struggles out there this evening. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash Assembly Call is the URL. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni filling in for Ryan Phillips tonight, breaking down Indiana's victory over Rutgers. And guys, let's let's talk about Juwan Morgan. Uh, you know, ho hum, another just you know typical hashtag Juwan Morgan thing stat line where he has 24 points, eight boards, a couple of assists, two blocks, had a steal. Uh, you know, only, you know, played 30 minutes and only picked up three fouls. Uh, and most importantly, had another moment where he had to go to the bench with what looked like an injury and got right back up. Every time that happens, it scares all of us. Uh, I think he got poked in the eye, but he ended up being fine. Um, and you know. It, kind of it gets to the point there you know he was playing at the under four minute timeout and i'm just thinking coach let's get him out of the game don't you know we, we don't want Jawan on the floor for any minutes more than he needs to be out there uh given how snake bitten he has seemed at times but i mean he continues to to play big minutes continues to just be this team's all everything 
Um, and, and coach, obviously, you know, we've spent a good part of the last few games talking about how effective Juwan was. You know, I mentioned on, on our, the Michigan State show that I thought that was one of his most impressive performances, given the context, given uh, how good Michigan State was at taking away what he likes to do. Tonight, he was able to do a little bit more of what he likes to do against Rutgers, uh, but also stepped out and made some jump shots and I think really showed uh, just how versatile his game can be tonight. Well, at the beginning of the season, it was said that he needed to be have a greater responsibility for production. I think that was the quote. And and boy, has he risen to the occasion and been consistent. And it's just nice to see. And the, I was going to mention the three-point shooting is an added touch. It seems like he's starting to hit a few more. And, and that's going to make uh, a tough – he's already a tough guard. But do you put a bigger guy on him and try to stop him down low? He's quick in the post. Uh, to defeat that guy. And if you have a big, he's, he can pull you out and drive, and now he can pull you out and shoot. And, and if you put a smaller player on him, then he goes back into the post. So those are fun players to have as a coach because you can design a lot of things and go to where he's hot in a particular uh, game. And then when the coach makes adjustments, you're ready to go in, in multi, uh, a multitude of ways. So Jawan is, uh, I, I've said this a couple times on here, you know, he, uh, he and McRoberts are just worth watching. Obviously, we love to watch IU for a lot of reasons, but what a pleasure to see the all-out hustle, his block shots, his rebounding has been excellent this year, and it continues. He just has a nose for the ball, and, and he's battled through some toughness from, it, it looked like he was limping at the end too, so so your comment about the four-minute mark is, is right, but he, he can't be at 100%, and yet, he, he's only missed, I think, what, one game all year, maybe, or a half of a game. Yeah. So his, yeah. his toughness level has risen, I think, as as well. Just a just a solid performer, and I hope that he doesn't play his way to uh, early entry, but I'd be happy for him and proud of him. Uh, and and But, um, boy, I'd love to see him back again just from a selfish standpoint. Just to see how good he can be yeah. as a senior. I mean, by the way, he's now shooting 40.7% from three-point range in Big Ten play. Which I don't know the, what the rest of our guys are shooting, but that has to be. Uh, yeah, let's just yeah, let's just assume that's the best. I think yeah. it's a fair assumption at this but, point. But it's funny, you know, because you look at his Ken Palm profile, and he's in the top twenty in the conference, and basically everything but free throw shooting and assist rate and three point shooting was the one thing that he wasn't. But now he's fifteenth in the conference in three point shooting too. So you know, literally, there's like nothing that this guy doesn't do. Uh, and I just I always come on these shows, and it's so easy to talk about Devonte and maybe talk about a guy who struggled that night or a surprise performer. And I just always want to make sure we don't take Juwan for granted and that we have some time to talk about him because my goodness, is he having a magnificent year, Andy? Yeah, he's kind of, it's it's funny. I think we get to that point with Yogi at times where we would be like, we would talk about everybody else except the guy who was really doing everything. Yeah. So uh, good, good, we are not going to make that mistake again. Good job not to let us fall back into that rut. But no, I mean, I just think you saw all of it tonight. I mean, he, he's, he's really expanded, you know, his moves in the post and, and being able to kind of read where the defenders play in him and, uh, I think that's one of the things that he's gotten a lot better at over the course of the season. And maybe that's just because he's gotten so many more opportunities, but you'd see him when he's, you know, got his, you know, back to the basket, just kind of feeling where the other guy is on him, leaning on him enough to, to see which way he needs to turn and, and the ability to be able to finish, um, you know, with the variety of different things inside is, is really good. So, uh, you know, get him back to shooting the way he was at the free throw line earlier in the season. And, uh, you know, continue with this three-point shooting. I think that that'll be really good. And you know, I think if there's one thing that you look at and you, and you start thinking about, well, could he come back next year? Is it is it just the opportunity to really kind of refine that outside shot and be able to pull guys away from the basket a little bit more? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll kind of cross that bridge when we come to it and, and go from there. But certainly good to see him uh, shoot the ball as well as he as well as he did tonight. And uh, he's already a pretty tough cover, and that just makes it that much tougher. I'm surprised they're not doubling him more. And, and maybe it's his athleticism that he can beat that because, you know, I don't know that people are too afraid of us stretching the floor uh, with our three. I don't know why they would be. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think he's a tough double because of his quickness and the way he can just slither through. Um, that That's interesting. That would be interesting to see. But, man, I'd get the ball out of his hands if I could. Mm -hmm. uh, that is – yeah, I'm, I would agree. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that more people haven't done that I, I, because, as you said, just dare somebody else to beat you at some point. But – it's, it's uh, the most terrifying moment of an IU basketball game for IU fans when the ball is in someone else's hands yeah. behind Juwan Morgan's. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so Juwan played well. You know, talked about Devontae. I want to talk about one guy who struggled tonight and who has really been up and down in Big Ten play. But now there have been, you know, several down games in a row. And that's Justin Smith, uh, who I thought, 
you know, was certainly out there with some energy and some activity, but was out of control a lot. And, uh, you know, he has really struggled to finish around the basket tonight. He was just one for five, um, you know, picked up a couple of offensive foul calls. One was definitely legitimate. The other one was pretty questionable, uh, you know, did help out on the glass as he had five rebounds in 15 minutes. But I think, you know, you think back to that Minnesota game and how terrific he was. And, and people thought that might be a coming out party. And really since then, I mean, he played, you know, really well against Maryland and that win over Maryland and had some good moments in the game up up against Michigan State, especially in the second half. But outside of that, has really struggled to to find any level of consistency. And he's a freshman, so you kind of expect that. But I think given the potential that he has flashed, I think it's fair to be a little bit disappointed that he hasn't maybe been able to put it together a little bit more. Um, and I thought tonight, to me, he looked as out of sorts as he's looked in a long time. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know what to make of that. And again, he's a freshman, so you don't make too big a deal of it. Um, uh, but I think that's, you know, we've seen Devonte start to get it. I think the other way that Indiana gets a lot better down the stretch and can maybe reel off four or five wins out of these last, you know, games that they have is if Justin Smith kind of takes the next step and becomes a little bit more consistent, coach. Yeah, and and I'm I don't know this for a fact, and and. I always say this, we're not there seeing practice and, and we're not on the inside, so we can only guess. But he's been replaced in a starting lineup. He's a good young man. He wants to compete. And a lot of times when you take a player out of the lineup, for us, when you maybe move a kid from varsity to JV and, and make a change, a lot of times they equate that with offense and scoring. And he was fast tonight. He made moves like he was almost trying too hard to score and make a spectacular play on offense. And what when players lose a role like that, the best thing that they can do is to go in and do your job. And, and if your job is to score, score in ways that you can score. Don't try to manufacture too much. Guard, rebound. He did rebound. But the you, you don't gain trust by turning the ball over, by trying to make the spectacular plays. And I think sometimes players say, I got to get the coach's eye um, I've been I've been demoted and and it's really a good thing because they care and and they want to get back into the graces. Um, I may you know I I don't know the young man. There are times when that could be a selfish issue, but I don't see it with with this young man the way he's come in and out of the lineup and and played. So I just think he's pressing a little bit to to try to make sure that he's being seen in a light and and really if he if he just moves the ball, sets good screens, rebounds, and that that'll probably get him more. Time. And I've always thought it's a problem defensively more than offensively. And Freddie is rebounding and physical and getting some rebounds. And so really those are the things Justin needs to do to try to get back into uh, maybe more of a, a, a rotation. Andy, he invoked the phrase, do your job. So I'm obviously going to give you an opportunity here to, uh, to retort. Oh. Nice. <laughs> that is not a New England thing. That that I, I am I was Andy Bottoms. I was an Eagle fan last night. That's just a basketball nice. thing. No, that's no, that's fair. No, Sorry, I think Andy. I think you. No, you're good. Uh, I, no, I mean I think you bring up a great point. I mean the things that in an ideal world Justin Smith would be doing are the things that Freddie McSwain has been doing, and I, I definitely felt like tonight he was pressing a little bit. And I, you know, the second offensive foul call was was probably bogus. But when you come spinning down the lane completely out of control after two or three out of control drives already, that's probably not a call that you're going to get. So um, and I think if you, if you kind of take it back and, and talk about some of the Josh Newkirk stuff there, I'm not so sure that the same thing isn't happening with him where you, know, you saw Jared, you mentioned it at the end of the game. Like I felt like he was just trying to get shots up to, you know, hope that one would go in. Uh, in situations where I, you didn't really need it, they didn't, you know, just took some kind of weird shots and um, you, you see somebody else come in and play well and you're like, all right, I got to seize this opportunity with what I'm doing right now, as opposed to, you know, you, you didn't, you, you didn't necessarily lose your job at the drop of a hat and, you, and you're probably not going to get it back at the drop of a hat either. It was a gradual, uh, gradual change. And, and I think you just got to kind of work their way back through it. So I thought there was some parallels between the way that both those guys played and, um, hopefully they get it figured out and, and Justin kind of look at Freddie and say, look, this is what I need to be doing. And this guy's filling his role to a T. This is the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni breaking down Indiana's 22-point victory over Rutgers. So <clears throat> I'll talk about another guy who is struggling, and this is always difficult to do because, you know, I, I don't like being critical, but Colin Hartman 
clearly just, you know, his shot isn't there. It's a shame because of the injuries that he's battled through. You know, you have to wonder if the injuries are kind of contributing to some of the poor shooting because before, you know, he kind of had this recent spat of injuries in that Wisconsin game. He was brilliant, had his best game in a long time. The shot looked great. I mean, it looked like he was going to really get on, get on a roll. And right now I feel like two things are happening. One, he's not making shots. You know, it looks off. And number two, I feel like he's really forcing shots. I feel like as Devontae Green's shot selection has improved, I think over the last few games, Colin Hartman might have the worst shot selection of anybody out there. Um, and maybe I'm being too critical, and please tell me if I am. Um, you know, I realize why he's a guy who has a green light and he's an experienced player, and we need him to make shots. But it feels like some of the shots he's taking, you know, he's getting in the game and putting them up quick. I feel like it kind of takes us out of some offensive rhythm sometimes. I would like to see him maybe be a little bit more judicious when he's using his three-point shot, A, because he's not making as many, and B, just because I think a lot of them are coming a little bit too early uh, in you know, too early in the shot clock when we haven't really worked it to find a better shot. Am I, am I being overly critical on him, or, Coach, do you think that that would be an adjustment that would help things out? Well, no, and it just goes back to not knowing, too. Coach may put him in there and say, hey, you got two or three minutes. Let's get up a couple shots uh, because if you hit a couple, two or three, it stretches it out. And because we don't have a consistent shooter, he's got the green light early. That could be a coaching decision. In theory, I agree with you. Work the ball around it. The first, I mentioned that earlier, the first side shots, sometimes on a bad stretch, you want to say, hey, reverse the ball two or three times. But he could be in a role where, you know, he needs to do that. And then you wonder if the lower leg injuries and all that, if his lift is not as much such a big part of the shot that he's trying to find that and groove that. And with the time off, he hasn't been able to get into a rhythm. But those were those would be my two thoughts. Hmm. Andy, any thoughts there? You know, I, I just didn't think he was moving very well in the first half. That, that yeah. leads me a little bit more to the leg injury. I just thought there were you know rebounds he wasn't getting to, things he just wasn't able, just didn't seem like he could change direction quick enough to to do that. And I yeah. think and I think you've seen that lead to and I'm you know, I'm trying to kind of pull it up now, but you know, I mean, if you look at his just shots on the over the course of the season, I mean, he's taken eighty three shots and fifty seven of them have been threes. And yet he's actually made more two pointers than three pointers. He's 18 of 26 on twos and 16 of 57 on threes. And, you know, I think part of that is, you know, the injuries he's had, whether that be the shoulder injury, whether that be, um, you know, the, the leg injury, I don't know if it's a case where, you know, can't cut well enough to kind of get in there struggle, you know, afraid he's going to hurt the shoulder again, trying to finish in there. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, I would rather see him try to, you know, we talk about, you know, Morgan maybe getting double teams or, or being able to pass out of the post. I mean, Hartman is a guy who was able to benefit from that at various points during the season. I just think he's just kind of hanging out on the perimeter, settling too much for, for those kinds of shots. And um, I think, I guess that's the biggest thing. I, I think it, it seems to be injury related to me. He just doesn't look, it just doesn't look like the same guy, not even just from his shot, just the way he's moving outside of that. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. All right, coming up here in our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we hand out our game balls. We look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and then we deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's 22-point victory over Rutgers in last call. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And we were wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 22-point victory over Rutgers. We just had this comment uh, in our chat. Guys, I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, this is Brett who says, fans need to rally around Newkirk Friday. Whenever he gets in the game, give him a good ovation. Uh, I love this. <laughs> Longtime audience members will probably, you know, that probably won't surprise uh, people. I realize that Josh Newkirk has been a lightning rod for criticism. And outside of, you know, a little stretch he had there in the middle of Big Ten play, he has really, really struggled. Um, and again, it looks like he's really struggling with his confidence. And I know, you know, we all feel a little bit better about it now in a sense because Devontae Green is playing better. And that's, you know, kind of masking some of Newkirk's troubles because you have a guard who's going out there and getting some things done. But I still think it's obviously going to do nothing but help Indiana if Josh Newkirk can get going. And all along, he's probably been better suited to being a backup point guard. But right now, he doesn't really have the confidence or the rhythm or anything to even excel in that role. And I've always thought, especially when a guy is struggling with his confidence, it's really easy from a fan perspective to get frustrated and want him out of the game and get mad that he's taking this shot or that shot and you know thinking you could do better and, and all of this stuff. 
But I was wondering, you know, that's really easy to say and that's real easy to do. But when you're a fan, especially if you're at the games, like you actually have something you could do to maybe help change it. You know, maybe you do stand up and give him an ovation when he gets in. And who knows if that makes any difference at all. But I would certainly think that would have a better chance of having a positive impact than just complaining about it on Twitter, you know, or sitting on your hands or at worst, you know, booing, which would be the worst thing. And I'm not saying anybody would do that. Um, but I I don't know the reaction people have to Newkirk. I've never really liked it. And it, you know, so I just I wanted to put that out there. You guys can tell me if I'm being ridiculous, but I've always kind of thought maybe you do that. It picks a guy up, you know, give him the cheer before he does something. And maybe that helps him get going as opposed to sitting on your hands and waiting for the guy to please you with a good play before you're going to step up and and cheer for him. My Ryan would probably tell me I'm crazy right now, but. Well, Ryan would probably tell you that you actually wrote that comment or planted that in there somehow. <laughs> and it really I did wasn't, not, but Brett is awesome. It, it really wasn't it. Brett, but that's yeah, neither here nor there. Uh, no, I mean, I, I agree. I, I don't really know. I mean, there's no tangible benefit to, uh, you know, to, to kind of doing the alternative and, and, you know, just, you know, ultimately just try to be supportive and hope he, he works it out. I mean, we've seen these guys so many times kind of ebb and flow over the course of the season. Um, where, you know, it is, is certainly, you know, Archie's even mentioned it being a confidence thing with some of these guys. So, uh, it can't hurt at this point. And if IU wants to win more games, they're going to need some contributions from him at times. So I kind of take the approach that it can't hurt. So, uh, why not? You know, there's a fine line between criticism and, um, you know, then outright stuff of booing at, at a game and, and the stuff that we see on Twitter. And it, it's difficult because it's a platform. I'm not going to den- deny the fact that Newkirk's play has not been very good. And you have to be honest about that. But us fans, we need to scream at the TV and then remember that we love the Indiana Hoosiers for all the right reasons. And as long as Josh Newkirk is an Indiana Hoosier, you're going to root for for Josh Newkirk to to correct his his errors and, and play well. And, and and we all in society ought to keep our our criticisms real and, and, and somewhat fair. Uh, and it's just difficult when um, everything's so public. Yep. Okay, let's go to game balls, gentlemen. Uh, Andy, since it has obviously been the 24 hours of Andy Bottoms, we will go to you first for the game ball. Uh, I mean, I, I'll go with Robert Johnson. I mean, I feel like I... I do that all the time, but um, I, I thought coming off of a really uh, a performance where he really struggled and didn't shoot the ball well, I was glad to see him not uh, kind of hang his head. And you were talking about some of the confidence with Josh Dukirk and a guy like that. I mean, he did not shoot the ball well against Michigan State by any means, um, but came out really aggressive, just as aggressive as he was at that game, and um, you know, really, really made some shots, got everything going. I think scored or assisted on the first you know eleven or so points that you had in the game, uh, and made some other big shots throughout. So. You know, again, other than uh, somehow missing all three free throws after he got fouled on a three, I thought he shot the ball really well uh, overall and played really good defense. So I thought it was a good bounce back performance from him um, after, you know, really struggling against Michigan State. So I thought it was good to see that from him. I think a number of guys, uh, at least two other guys who I, I assume that the two of you will uh, will kind of pick up could have uh, easily earned game ball honors for me. Yeah, well, and I just want to hop in. The, the thing on Robert, I just want to make sure that we mention this, is his mindset at the start of the game, I thought, really led the team. You know, he came out aggressive. Obviously, making shots is important. It's always nice when shots go down. But either way, you know, he really came out aggressive, almost like he was determined to put his bad performances behind him early. And that's what Archie has wanted him to do. And so I just, that's what you look for from your seniors or senior guards on the road. And he really stepped up and did that. So very impressed by that. Coach, your game ball tonight. Uh, I'm going to go with Devontae Green. Um, I need to apologize for the Robert Finnessy comment the last time I think I was on um, game ball. Devontae just stuck it to me with his play tonight. <laughs> and so I, I, I will take take that back. Devontae, congratulations, young man. Um, great game. Great game defensively, moving the basketball, uh, scoring some necessary points. Just a this Devontae Green can really make a difference in the next few years uh, if he grows from this, and and that's good to see that guard play. So congratulations, Devontae. Well, I'm going with the guy that I would have gone with anyway, and it's Jawan Morgan. Again, 24 points, eight boards, as we mentioned, but more than anything – he is the guy that Indiana goes to when they need a bucket. And, you know, look, tonight, you know, it's tough to say that they needed a bucket, quote unquote. I mean, outside of that first stretch in the game, because Rutgers never really threatened. But again, you know, this has been a program 
where the daggers have so often come from the three-point line. And when we can't deliver the dagger from the three-point line to stop a run or to kind of accentuate a run ourselves, the daggers don't often happen. And that's why we don't put teams away and why runs continue. And I think what we're starting to see now is a team that is more comfortable getting its daggers inside and getting its daggers from its bread and butter from a guy like Juwan Morgan or from guys going to the basket. Now, on the bright side tonight, he knocked down three three-pointers, and they were you know important three-pointers, as for this team, any three-pointer is. Uh, but I just thought, you know... When Rutgers are going a little run, Indiana went to Juwan, and it's almost like he had a little extra pep in his step, a little extra determination on those possessions, and there just wasn't anything Rutgers, again, a pretty good defensive team, could do to stop him. Uh, and just another really, really solid performance in a season full of them. And one thing I wanted to check here is on Ken Palm, every game, they give out a game MVP. And Juwan won the game MVP again this tonight. So that is now... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven game MVPs for him. I believe I looked back. I think Yogi had twelve or thirteen his senior year. I believe in twenty thirteen, Cody had thirteen. He actually had more than Victor Oladipo had. And we remember how great those individual seasons were. Jawan Morgan is on the cusp of basically doing what those guys did in terms of you know on a game by game basis, being the best player on the floor. That's you know that, that's that's pretty big company to be in, uh, and it's just a testament to how consistent he's been uh, and how great he has been uh, at times this season and in so many important moments for Indiana. Uh, okay, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I do want to remind you that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear. One of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs. Visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off of your entire order. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Coach Brian Tonsoni wrapping things up here. Andy, before we move on to last call, let's look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. And my goodness, there is a huge break between games as Indiana won't play again until Friday which just seems like crazy, crazy amount of rest for the Hoosiers. They come home and play Minnesota. Uh, this is a Minnesota team that Indiana beat up in Minneapolis. They obviously you know, were without a few players in that game. What is the status of Minnesota now? And is Amir Coffey, who is not playing in that game, is he going to be back for this one? Uh, well, he didn't play their last game out. I'm not uh, – I'm really not sure when he's supposed to be – he's supposed to be back at this point. But they – they continue to be really beat up. They played an overtime game against Michigan, and looking at the box score, they basically only had uh, only had seven guys play. Um, so, it, you know, he missed that game. That was the second straight. He so unclear whether he's back. They do play uh, on Tuesday night against Nebraska at home, but they're you know that loss to IU at that time they were thirteen and three coming into that game. Uh, they lose to IU, and they've won one game since then. They're one and eight in their last nine games. So Good grief. Um, I didn't realize few, they were that bad. Yeah, they've had a few close ones. They they took Michigan to overtime on the road uh, on Saturday, kind of unsuspectingly, uh, I would say. But you know, a lot of their other games haven't been particularly close. I mean, they've lost by you know 23, 34, 11, 18, 8, 14. Um, so that Michigan game really out of that stretch is the only game that's been single digits outside the IU one, and their only win came uh, in overtime against Penn State. So. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely a team. Things have not gone at all how they expected them to coming into the season. Uh, again, they continue to be pretty beat up. So uh, and and they'll have a little bit less rest than IU, which is a you know nice change of pace, I guess, with the with playing uh, at home against Nebraska tomorrow and then traveling to IU for that game on Friday. So, um, you know, the, uh, of the games that are left on IU schedule, there aren't a whole lot that uh, Ken Prom projects as victories, but that's one of them. So uh, hopefully IU can get the sweep over the Gophers and, and move forward from there. By the way, speaking of Ken Palm, for those of you who followed this stuff, Indiana entered tonight, I believe, 91st or 92nd in Ken Palm. And this was a game where the Ken Palm prediction was actually a one-point victory for Rutgers. And so for Indiana to come out and win by 22 like they did, I figured this would be a game that would really improve the Ken Palm metrics. Indiana now up to 80th, uh, which I realize isn't anything great, and they're still probably not even on the NIT bubble yet. <clears throat> um, but still, you know, certainly shows some growth and better than where they were. But even more than that, Indiana now 76th in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency, and the number is under a point per possession. Indiana now holding opponents to .996 point per possession uh, on the season. In conference play, they are fifth uh, in the Big Ten Conference in adjusted defensive or, or in, in defensive efficiency. Last year, just for context, Indiana was dead last, 14th. 
16th in the country in defensive efficiency. This year, they are fifth. And at one point earlier this season, they were in the 200s in adjusted defensive efficiency. So for Indiana to, I know the offense has struggled, and especially, you know, since Deron Davis went out, you know, the offensive efficiency numbers haven't been as consistent. But my goodness, has the defense continued to improve? Uh, and are we seeing the foundation being laid for how Archie Miller wants to play and win games? Um, so some uh, some impressive uh, uh, growth in the metrics there on Ken Palm uh, in recent weeks. And maybe Archie can actually look at it now without, you know, wincing. Uh, the overall number is still not great, but at least the growth is impressive. If he holds uh, his hand on the screen over the shooting numbers, maybe he can look at it without wincing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Strategically placed post-it note or something just to be on that that spot. Yes. Uh, all right, gentlemen, let's get our final thoughts on this Indiana victory. And Coach, lead us off. Well, I, I always look at the big picture. And, and again, I think we're headed in the right direction. Um We've got to make winning plays. We haven't made winning plays against some of the tougher teams on our schedule. We lost four tough ones. You split a couple of those, including maybe just add to Illinois. There's two more victories, and really we should beat our uh, Indiana State teams like that. So we're not too far off from a 15-16 win record right now, and we need to look at that. And then um, we're building a program, and today uh, Seth Davis had a really good article in The Athletic about programs that – that have seniors and 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 combine some talented one and dones maybe with more of a, a team they redshirt, and it's the three teams that in everyone's bracketology are number one seeds. It was Villanova, Purdue, and Virginia, and, and they're all centered on defense and 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 decent offense and building, and and Virginia even lost three guys to transfer, and was able to bounce back. And Virginia for the last five or six years has been in discussion of top 25 and good seeds and all of that. And I think, you know, it's night like tonight and we're down to in the seventies in the defensive can palm rating. These things are trending in the right direction, despite the 13 and 12 record. And maybe that makes me soft. Um, you know, losing games and bad play is not acceptable uh, for Indiana. And, and a 13-12 record is not acceptable, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. And if you can access that, uh, Tonight, that article, I know it's a pay site, but it was really well written and it really speaks to what I think is the way that programs need to look at uh, unless you're just Kentucky and Duke and you're going to go for that five star, five or six five star guys at a time. But it was really a good read. And I think that uh, in the years to come, we'll add Archie Miller and the Indiana program to those programs. And that's my hope. You know what's crazy about that, too, is, I mean, you're right, those programs do have defensive identities, but Villanova and Purdue are number one and number three in offensive efficiency, which is which is crazy, but it shows you the value of having guys who have played together in the same system and are experienced that they can be even better offensively than some of these teams that are loaded with, you know, with the five-star guys and, and one-and-done types. Yeah, and uh, you pass it down. The veterans pass it down to the rookies. And then we have Race Thompson. I'm really excited to see Race next year after having a year in the system. He'll be a freshman, but he, he'll have a year of experience in film watching. And and so it's things like that that's, okay, this is maybe how these other programs have done it. And now Archie's starting to do it, and we've just struggled with this season. And then we go on the road, and we win by 22 in a game we were predicted to lose. So please look at it. There's some positives in, in this tough season. For sure. Andy, last call. Well, I tell you, the other thing those teams have in common is a really strong point guard play. And I think you, know, you tie that back a little bit to, to how Devontae played tonight and how he's been playing. Um, and, and I think it's another reason to think things are headed in the right direction. Uh, how he's able to sustain that over these last you know five games of the regular season remains to be seen. But I think you know some of the lineup changes have, have certainly uh, been what we've asked for the last couple of years. You know, reward guys for doing what you want them to do out there. And I think, you know, Freddie has... Um, has certainly done that, and he's responded well to being given the opportunity. Uh, you know, again, couldn't you know struggle to finish around the rim uh, tonight, but was really active on the glass and, and just kind of continued to do the things that made him successful against Michigan State. And uh, Devontae taking better care of the ball, making better decisions is a, is a positive. So, uh, you know, for me, I've I've tried to look at these, you know, the end of the season and you know, kind of breaking it up into three game stretches. So this was, you know, game one of of a of a, a, a set of three games where you got a chance to go three and oh. Uh, and I think that would be a big one for this team's confidence, you know, going home for, you know, a couple games, actually not having to travel for uh, the next 12 days. It looks like, you know, before they'd have another road game on the 17th at Iowa, uh, be nice for these guys to be able to be home to practice, um, to, to get a little rest. Uh, actually had a game tonight where nobody had to play over 30 minutes. So that was a welcome change. 
based on what we've seen. But I think a, a chance for these guys to really build some confidence, which is something that they've struggled to do uh, over the course of the season. But I think a couple winnable home games, you know, we'll see if they uh, you know can actually make good on on winning both of them. But I think it'd be uh, you know real uh, good for them to to really head into those last three games uh, with some confidence and hopefully a three game winning streak. So one down, two to go, and uh, we'll see what happens on Friday. Yeah, these are these are two important games coming up. You got to hold serve at home. It gets you back over 500. Again, that's why this win tonight was so important for Indiana to avoid falling to five and eight and to get one game within 500. And when you look at what Archie Miller did at Dayton, his teams really seemed to improve as the seasons went on. A hallmark of Indiana teams over the past few years has you know really been struggles. You know, getting into February and in March. And we'll have to see what Archie can do at Indiana. Uh, but I, I feel like even though you know there have been more losses than wins recently, I still feel like the team is really improving. And, and given the level of opponent that Indiana has played in some of these games, you know they just didn't quite have enough to get over the hump. But that doesn't mean that they haven't been playing better. It's not always just about the win or the loss. Ultimately, at the end of the year, it is. But you know, as you look at a team's progress, this Indiana team is playing better, and now they're going to be facing some teams that are a little bit more well matched in terms of talent. Uh, and so, I think you know, now we'll see with the improved defense and, and better taking care of the ball, and and you know, the added element of a more consistent Devonte Green. Perhaps there's some really winnable games coming up here for Indiana, and for the first time in a while, it feels like Indiana is going to have a team going into the Big Ten tournament that no one's going to really want to play <laughs> because even though their record is not going to be real impressive you know that you're just going to be in for a fight and a team that's going to defend you for 35, 40 minutes uh, and a team that if they make their shots can pick you off on any given night. And so tonight, Indiana made shots. They made outside shots and that made everything look a little bit prettier. But underneath that 20, the, the veneer of that 22 point win and the nice three point shooting was the same kind of, you know, more disciplined decision making and, and, and toughness on defense and, and more connectedness on defense that we've seen uh, and that has really driven the, the improvement for this Indiana program. And hopefully it continues and hopefully it continues on Friday night uh, with another big win over Minnesota, after which you can join us here for the Assembly Call IU postgame show because we'll be here to break it all down for you. And that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join and join our free email newsletter. We write those right after the show ends and send them out at uh, 7.15 Eastern time, the morning after every game. Uh, that content is free in addition to our Six Banner Sunday news roundup. So it'll make you a smarter IU fan. It's a great way to connect with the show uh, and go even more in-depth with our analysis here on the Assembly Call. All right, thank you for listening. We will talk to you again Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio and then Friday for the IU Minnesota postgame show. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.